Welcome to Seinfeld Triple X, a show about a show about nothing where we ask, what's the deal with Seinfeld's 30th anniversary? My name is Craig. And I'm Chris. And we're here for episode three of our 10-year project, (laughs) nine-year project. It is the 30th anniversary of that time that Seinfeld Season 1, Episode 3 aired. I remember that. Uh, So if you are new to the show, welcome. We are planning to hit every episode on on the 30th anniversary of its original air date. That is the goal. That's where the three X's come from. (laughs) But calling it Seinfeld Triple X will get us that like hot... Seinfeld fetish demographic, maybe. That's like my hope. I don't know about you, Chris. Yeah, maybe we could read some Seinfeld fan fiction in the off-season or something, see what's out there. Whoa, we haven't even had a planning session about (laughs) off-season content, but that's a... There's some good stuff just in the Seinfeld wiki that is worth talking about at some point, too. Interesting. Okay. um, Anyway, our goal is also to keep these under the runtime of the original episode that we're covering. So let's get to it. Today we are talking about episode 103, The Robbery, originally aired June 7th, 1990. Uh, Production facts worth considering. The director is Tom Sharones or Sharones. I don't actually, I should learn how to pronounce that man's name. Um, The writer, Matt Goldman, the first episode not written by the hit team Jerry and Larry. Uh, And we'll probably talk about it. It feels more explicitly sitcom-y to me than the other episodes in this first season. Yeah, I can see that. Like, we'll get into the plot, but like the main characters are in conflict with each other. (laughs) They're not just hanging out at the laundromat or something like that. It seems like a very basic thing. Uh, but there are scenes where they disagree, and that is like a step forward for this show. Uh, Goldman went on and did some other work on Seinfeld. I think he was like nominated or won a Writers Guild Award for his work on Seinfeld. Um, he did some work on Ellen on the Louis Anderson show, uh, and then had a career also just a longer career as a TV producer. He did write a season two episode where the Seinfeld gang gets stranded at a house party, like in the suburbs which we will talk about a year-ish from now, I'm sure. Um, what what do you want to say about this episode as we go in, Chris? We're going to do a breakdown. We're going to ask some what's the deals, and then we're going to talk about what happened on this day in history. Where do you want to start? Uh, well, we should start with uh, Jerry's A-plus monologue at the beginning, I think, <laughs> which is about people giving him the middle finger. And I Apropos think- of nothing! <laughs> And I think when people talk about Jerry Seinfeld stand up being like hacky and not very funny, this is like exhibit A in that. Yes. Yes. It's, this is terrible. His whole thing is about how maybe we should use the middle toe to flip people off instead of the middle finger. And it's just him on the stage screaming, the toe, the middle toe. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, this this woman gave me the finger from her car. Why, why is it this finger? It's. And like, okay, the, the problem with his comedy at this stage in his life or ever, I guess, is just that he's not wrong, but that doesn't make it funny. <laughs> no, it feels like he's improvising all of this, which is only strange because I know Jerry Seinfeld actually spends a lot of time like finessing very specific joke structures and like <laughs> writing them out word by word. And oh, this is no, the best Jerry. he can come up with. That's but no, so one, no one gives him the finger in this episode. It doesn't have anything no. to do with anything. 
I, I can't even imagine what it's supposed to relate to because there's nothing in this episode that has anything to do with like arbitrary shows of frustration or anger. Nothing. No. No. Uh, we do cut to a scene that involves Elaine. Which like cut to a scene with Jerry and Elaine right away in his apartment is already like the show has entered new ground. <laughs> Yeah, and here they're starting packing. to fall into like the the standard like comedic rhythms I know of the Seinfeld main cast, just the way they're bantering with each other. Yes, yes. Uh, Jerry's um, packing he's for like, a trip. Yeah, Go and ahead. he declares himself to be the master packer, and <laughs> Elaine just thinks he's full of shit. And this is this is the Seinfeld I remember more than episodes one and two. <laughs> it's not even like particularly punchy dialogue it's really kind of airy actually and there's a lot of just like jerry whatever like going on but it makes sense like it is the character work that we that yes i totally identify with that yeah there is a lot of people just explaining what they already know like jerry's saying as you know i'm going on a trip and you're looking after my apartment and the lady's like yeah i know that Um, I think it's also the first time um, Jerry uses his buzzer to buzz someone up that we've seen. Oh, halfway through the com- the conversation with Elaine, George is on the buzzer, and Jerry says, "Yeah, come on up." And I always like they'll do more with this later in the series, but I always like how that interrupts sort of the comedic banter going on, and then you're anticipating a third person that's going to like barge into this conversation at some point. Yes, 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 yes. In later episodes, he does even more, too, of, like, he does the buzzer, and then he'll open the door a little bit, and then you just, like, the rest of this, of that scene, yeah, you're waiting for someone to come in and change whatever we're talking about. Yeah, you're anticipating, um, like, a new heightened level of comedy at some point. Yes, that's, that's good. Um, Elaine talks about, you know, how she's going to stay the weekend there because she has a terrible roommate, this is the first mention of said terrible roommate who I think we end up meeting in season two. I don't know how much longer she sticks around. Yeah. Does the roommate She's... have a name at this point? Just like musical theater oh, woman roommate. Musical theater woman. Ethel Merman without the talent. Elaine <laughs> refers to her as at one point. Um, and she's just nailing some of the lines of just hating on this person. <laughs> uh, and it's very, it's very charming early Elaine. You're like, oh, I get why you are why you took off on television yeah um and we'll get more into this in the next episode but they're starting to be meaner like elaine talking about how she hates her roommate and i like this that the characters are getting mean (laughs) (laughs) yes that's true uh george shows up uh as you said he gets buzzed in he's a real estate agent in a way that like i don't know if it's been explicitly mentioned in the previous episodes i guess it was referred to in episodes one or two but like this is this is a real character trait. Yeah, it's relevant to, to the plot because everyone yes. wants to switch apartments. Yes. And Elaine is excited to spend time in Jerry's apartment. It's reminding her how much she likes his apartment. Uh, George has found this gorgeous apartment near Central Park. Two uh, bedrooms. Yeah, Jerry's looking to get a second bedroom, I guess. Okay. Even though in the last <laughs> episode it was established he had zero bedrooms. In I know. It's very, it's very strange. Uh, the continuity. We'll get into it in the in our next episode, but I think the production order is is still a little wonky. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's also why Goldman is coming in, and it feels like such a breath of fresh air. But is it is out of sequence with the rest of the show? 
Uh, and yeah, he's going to Minneapolis for four days to do a bunch of comedy there. Uh, Is that a thing much- stand-up comedians do? Like, it's hard to tell how famous Jerry is supposed to be in the universe of this show. Let me jump in with my what's the deal this episode because <laughs> my my what's the deal is what's the deal with Jerry's career? Like, how much money does he make? At one point, Elaine, as she is pressuring him to move out of his apartment, she's like, "You're doing okay now. You can like imp- you can improve your standing." He doesn't really seem to have any side gigs. I would anticipate someone again. I don't know how famous he's supposed to be. Like. You would think he would already have a foot in television production or writing or something. Um, or yeah, yeah. New York is a big city for that sort of thing. Like he could yes. be, yeah, branching out in other directions besides just doing stand up at this like nameless club we always see him at. Yes, and later when he is uh, seeing the apartment that we'll talk about uh, in a few minutes, like he is walking around going, oh, well, you got to, you got to tip the guy who brings you firewood. You got to tip the guy who brings you charcoal. You got to tip. And he's saying it in a way that's like, it's not, oh, I don't have the money for that. It's more like a grieved, like class warfare nonsense where he's like, I I mean, I guess I got to pay that guy too, huh? And it's it's really bizarre because it doesn't seem like he doesn't have the money. Yeah. Everyone's just looking for a handout from these stand up comedians (laughs) who are rolling in it. And yet, never in this entire episode where people are discussing rent or anything, do they actually use explicit figures, right? Correct. Except for the couch, which we'll get to. But in terms of the apartment rent, they say like, oh, it's twice as much or this might cost just half as much as your current place without quoting actual New York real estate prices from 1990. Which I suppose gives it some, some standing like over time, but also... It just makes you wonder, like, what are they talking about? What yeah, it it's cost? not how real people talk, so it feels sort of strange. But... Yes, that's a good point. Um, so what happens that, like, raises the stakes of this episode, Chris? The next thing that happens. Well, Jerry goes off to Minnesota, uh, presumably has some good shows, and he comes home, and <laughs> all his stuff is gone. And in this scene, Jerry Seinfeld, the actor, is really struggling to convey... <laughs> Like how shocked he's supposed to be that his TV and his stereo and his like boxy 1990 Macintosh computer have all been stolen. He walks in and he's like, Elaine? And Elaine is, I guess, in the bathroom dealing with a clogged toilet, which is never explained. <laughs> the robbers clogged the toilet, too. Yeah. And he sits down because he's so tired from his travels. Like, okay, whatever. And he sits on the couch and he goes to turn on the TV and it's not there. And then he's just like slowly pointing the remote at things that don't exist. <laughs> he immediately goes to watch TV. Like he's back from a long trip from a different time zone and immediately is grabbing that remote to just kick back and watch some TV. <laughs> and like not find the person who's supposed to be there, not lay down, not get a drink. Just I got to put the TV on. And and it's not that's not a trait I guess that in the third episode this show has established. <laughs> I guess in like what was it the first episode where he was like watching the he he had taped the Mets game or yeah, something. It's established that he tapes sports games so he can watch them later. Yes, just so he can get that, mad at Kramer for ruining the results. Yes, but that's not what happened here. Um, so what how, what went wrong here, Chris? Who's to blame? So Kramer came over and left the door open and 
some people came in and stole everything that Jerry had. And Just people. We we get some great like Jerry reaction shots here to Jerry being upset at Kramer and Elaine, where he's just like speaking in that whiny high pitched voice, like stolen. You left the door open, <laughs> Kramer. Yeah, how goes, could you? He goes on on the rant where like I don't know if it's George or uh, it's Kramer because he's like Kramer's like oh don't you have an, you have insurance though right? <laughs> and this exchange makes no sense. <laughs> okay, Kramer's yeah. like. Like, don't you have insurance? And Jerry goes, no, I spent my money. You put this quote in here. I spent my money on the Clapto D29, the most impenetrable <laughs> lock on the market today. So, and then I he, mean, maybe his career is not going so hot if he couldn't afford renter's insurance and instead, like, bought a lock. <laughs> and, he, and he does this thing where he goes, the most impenetrable lock on the market today, there's only one flaw. The door has to be closed. <laughs> And you're just like, what the? It's a really good. It's a primo Jerry scream. Yeah, it's one yeah, of the some few... energy here that has been lacking in the first two episodes. <laughs> it's one of the few like things he can do as an actor. Uh, might be the only thing he can do as an actor. Um, and this this again is going to spur some more conversations about Jerry needing to get out of the apartment. But first, we have this brief cop scene where the cops are just useless. Very useless. They show up and sort of mock him for getting things stolen and say that the stuff will never be found and he should just give up ever getting it back. And and Jerry, like, <laughs> later after the scene is over, pipes in with a whole stand-up bit about how useless forms are and, like, police, like, uh, bureaucracy is ineffective. A very, just a very weird scene to watch in the spring into summer of 2020. <laughs> Um, because the, the cop is, is, is portrayed as not a, a, uh, a force that is unchecked, but a force that is just worthless. Yeah. It's more maybe like what Newman will turn into later. Just like a metaphor for useless bureaucracy. Yes. That's a good point. Um, no acknowledgement of like, you know, who these criminals might be or, the relative comfort with which Jerry engages with this cop. Um, though the cop doesn't get Jerry's joke. Can you tell me, can you walk me through that a bit, Chris? Well, Jerry's answering machine was stolen. Cause that's a thing you would steal in 1990. If you rob somebody's apartment and Jerry makes a joke that is a bad joke where he says something like now the, now the robbers are going to get all the messages meant for me. And no one understands this joke. And then there's 30 seconds where first the cop says, I don't understand this joke. And Jerry explains it. Then Elaine says, I don't understand this joke either. And Jerry has to explain himself again. And I love the third episode in, like, Jerry is forced to confront the fact that no one finds him very funny. (laughs) Like, I I feel like they envisioned the show to be, like, Jerry, the stand-up comedian, like, wisecracking and everyone laughing at him. And very quickly it's turned into... Jerry making these weak jokes and everyone calling him on it and being like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Even in the previous, in the stakeout episode where he's talking to that woman at the, at the party and he like says that he's a comedian and she does seem to find him funny, but they actually seem to hit it off because she is like better than him at making jokes. Actually, (laughs) he's not good at it. No. Um, so okay, wow. We're, so we're... yeah, Jerry resolves to move because yes. all the stuff got stolen. Um, so Elaine's happy, so she can move into Jerry's apartment. 
And George is showing him this new apartment that's really nice. It has a fireplace. It has a closet, two bedrooms. It has a garden. Yeah. Um, Elaine is going to buy Jerry's couch. I have no idea how much couches are supposed to cost in 1990, but they're throwing <laughs> prices back and forth at each other. <laughs> and and then George arrives with the lease, and he it is clear that he is upset about this process. Uh, and we have a really good like hierarchy of needs going on. We're like, <laughs> Elaine wants Jerry to move up so that she can have his apartment. Um, Jerry wants to move up so he can he can have a nicer apartment. And now George is complicating things. He actually wants the apartment. We yeah. have we know nothing about George's situation. Just that this would be a nicer apartment <laughs> for him to have. And neither Jerry nor George wants to be the one who takes the apartment from their friend. So they're at sort of yes. an impasse. They both want it, but they both don't want to be the bad friend who took the apartment. And then we we get into a thing that I do think is a bit of a Seinfeld trope moving forward is like going into kind of schoolyard boy nonsense to resolve conflicts. I I know it happens in other episodes but this is the one that like really like lays it all out where they do a coin flip. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Jerry and George's dialogue is really popping here. They're going back and forth. The coin hits the table. George says it's interference. Jerry's like, there's no rule about that. And, well, and George is like really animated and has a clear like goal, which has been just absent from previous episodes. <laughs> and so like him getting worked up is Jason Alexander at his best. Um, they do the coin flip. George, Lu- uh, they do a choose, which I only know of from Seinfeld. I've never done a, qu- a choose in my life. Yeah, I had to figure this out from context. I had never done this either. It's like it's like rock, paper, scissors, but you pick odds or evens and you each throw a number with your fingers. And whatever the sum of those numbers is, like if it's an odd number or an even number, that person wins. Um, and it's very dramatic, and George loses. Um, and of course, like they can't rectify this. Uh, th- this just won't happen. I guess does it, is this one Kramer busts in also? Is yeah, that Kramer doesn't scene? do a whole lot in this episode. I think he busts in and says he thinks some like Englishman down the hall stole all of Jerry's stuff, and then that never comes up again. Like Kramer vows to go investigate. And I feel like in later seasons, it would cut to Kramer like getting into some wacky antics. But here he's just sort of off to the side doing his own thing. Yeah. And, and it's like Kramer usually is a good vessel for like characters we never see. But right now, everyone is like talking about characters we never see. So it doesn't feel like Bob Sacamano and people like that who pop up in later seasons yeah. that are part of Kramer's universe <laughs> that we only sort of hear about. But Kramer's um, not in his own universe yet. He's still not in yet. like the real world. Yeah. Um, we get one more scene at Monks. Um, or I guess it's Monks at this point. It's unclear. Yeah, I think it's at Monks in the window. Okay. Okay. Um, George is still upset. Uh, and they end up resolving that they can't. Neither of them can take the apartment. And then a waitress walks over and is like, what's the rent? <laughs> uh, and they give it to her. And then they go to a party at the apartment, which has a bunch of like little like, oh, she introduces them to her husband. And he's like, I'm, I'm losing weight. Like, how long have they been in this apartment? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I've been grilling mas- every night. Yeah, there's a sexy masseuse who lives next door. There's a, okay, there's a really amazing moment in the sexy masseuse beat where like, of course, Jerry and George are like, Boo, like <laughs> wolf with the eyes bugging out of their face. 
But like Elaine, even as they sit back down on the couch, is like looking down at what she's wearing to like <laughs> compare herself. It's just like really good. Like probably no one told her to do that. And she's they found a way for the whole gang to respond to that moment. So it's not just about George and Jerry. Um, and they're just kind of sitting there being upset with each other and the world. And then two other guys behind them are talking about another apartment that's going to come up. And then all three of them turn around and go, what's the rent? Well, but cycle starting boom, boom, all over boom. again. But and it's like, it feels like a sitcom. There's like a concrete stinger. It yeah. doesn't go back to more Jerry at the, at the stand-up. Like, it, it just ends. It cuts from there to credits. Yeah, it, and it's not like the other episodes where they're discussing, like, social conventions and things like that. It's a very clear setup. Like, all these characters want an apartment, and they're going to fight over it. And and it makes it about the... It, the whole episode is trafficking in kind of a universal people who live in cities in this age bracket all deal with this all the time. Oh, yeah, like, big city apartment hunting sucks. And there's yes. a lot of humor to be mined from that. Yeah. Um, so so quickly, my what's the deal? We've touched on this, but what's the deal with Jerry's apartment? Because apparently we're supposed to think that it sucks and it's a complete shithole in this episode. Like multiple characters tell him how much it sucks. People are breaking in and stealing all his stuff. I think they talk about like roaches. And like George goes on on a whole lecture about the radiator. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, there's like a thing where like Jerry's like, okay, and when I'm gone, you can't have soft cheeses in the fridge. And Elaine's like, I can't have soft cheeses here. Like this place stinks. It's and but this is where he lives for the rest of the show. Yeah, and it, it later achieves like an iconic status. And I feel like there's a lot of jokes to be made about how big this is for a New York apartment yes. for someone on like a stand-up comedian salary. And they just treat it like it's a dump. Like even literally in the first episode in the Seinfeld Chronicles pilot, he brings this woman that he's like expecting to sleep with. And he like sh- has her like look out the window and he's like, isn't this great? And she's like, this is great. <laughs> it's a good apartment. Yeah. Sh- the- it does not take the pains. They-, they actually don't show the work of it being bad, save for this like nominal robbery. Yeah, right. which only happened because Kramer left the door open. It's not like there's criminals who are breaking into Jerry's apartment on a regular basis. Yeah, there are other shows. I I, sh- I should have come prepared with other shows that actually take place in like crappy apartments. Yeah, and, show like, people mind like that. For... Yeah, living in squalor and things like that. Yes. Um, just um, as a side note, apparently this was based on a real life experience Jerry had. Um, Jerry huh. Seinfeld, the actor, except his apartment was robbed by burglars breaking through his wall and stealing his stuff. <laughs> And I couldn't find any more context on that, but I'm, I pictured like a Kool-Aid man type thing. <laughs> uh, I hope no one was harmed, but good for those guys. Stick it to Jerry. Um, Chris, what happened on this day, the thir- 30 years ago, June 7th, 1990? Okay, well, we're we're running short on time, so the most important thing that happened is that the New York Times ran their first like full-length review of Seinfeld. Oh! They call it an ambitious blend of fiction and reality, and generally they're pretty positive on it. Um, the the thing that was strange to me is the writer of the review couldn't get past the fact that all the characters are sort of nerdy. Like it specifically calls out, um, it says, Mr. Seinfeld is definitely a nerd. And later it calls George Jerry's super nerdy friend. So it's like the TV critics can't get past. I don't know if this is just the age where there's way more like family sitcoms and less sitcoms oh, about sure. like, 
schlubby single guys living in New York or what, but it seemed like they were really didn't know what to do with the fact that the main characters were not like people that we would want to emulate. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, I am not very familiar with cheers at all. And this was riding on the coattails of cheers for a few years in terms of like slot. Yes. So I'm I'm trying to, con- I'm wondering what the contrast is between the, where like some of these characters come from and, and, I should actually do some research on that. And there is in one of the stand-up bits um, when Jerry's talking about cops being ineffective, he's talking about like the world of Batman and oh, how yeah. all the criminals have a, a brand <laughs> that you can find and like witnesses can identify the penguin. Um, and he's one the one the dressed pol- like a penguin. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's not a problem, but like in the real world, they're just people who are just like, you know, they steal your stuff and that's it. That's gone. Um, you have another one here, Chris, about uh, the about Atlantic City 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. Ago. That was the front page New York Times story on June 7th, 1990, um, all about Donald Trump's failing casinos in Atlantic City and about how they were falling into debt. Huh. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. Oh, and I see that the Czech Republic prepared for their first free election since 1946. Yeah, yeah. The B plot of this podcast is like the end of the Cold War and the spread <laughs> of capitalism throughout Eastern Europe. <laughs> Poland also completed this transition to a Western-style market economy on this day. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to chart that through the rest of the show. Just, just keep an eye on the on the next few years of what happened in <laughs> Europe thirty years ago. Uh, well, great. I'm glad that we uh, were able to cover the robbery, season one, episode three of Seinfeld. Um, if you want to tell us about your experience renting apartments in the '90s in New York, you can send us an email at seinfeldxxx at gmail dot com, or find us on Twitter at seinfeldxxx. Head to SeinfeldXXX.tumblr.com or Seinfeld.rocks to find out find our other episodes. Remember, the show is called Seinfeld Triple X, but I'd spell it out because it makes it more exciting in your browser of choice. Um, Chris, what do we what do we say at the end of every episode? Until next time, no hugging, no learning. <laughs> <laughs>